0: Hi everybody, I'm Tony Smaniato with Studley, I'm the uh, co-chair of programs along with Megan Marshall from Jones Lang LaSalle, who's sitting here, here, and Margie Kirkowski who couldn't be with us today, our chairperson who's uh, under tremendous pressure for a deadline. Um, but we're constantly striving to bring you the best in class pro- uh, pr- programs and speakers, so we encourage you all to please continue to give us ideas for future uh, programs. So if you're not hearing what you want, let us know, we need to know. Uh, John mentioned we'll take the month of August off, but September we're going to come back with a great program. We'll have uh, representatives and speakers here from Northern Trust, Mace Group, Motorola, DTZ, and HOK to talk about doing business around the world. And it'll be a pretty exciting uh, program from what I've seen in the early uh, stages of the slide deck. Uh, today's program, a program, as always, is being podcast and posted to the Cornet website, so spread the word. If you want to revisit it later or tell your friends about it, they can go online and, and listen to it. Uh, If you have your MCR designation, please sign up and get your one continuing ed credit. There's a sheet right out here in the front. Uh, It's just like a silent auction, except you don't have to pay at the end. Uh, Today's topic is a very lively presentation. I've had a chance to enjoy a lot of uh, rehearsal, if you will. Um, It's going to be a very lively conversation about the bold statements on enterprise leadership, which emerged from the Cornett's very ambitious research initiative, um, Corporate Real Estate 2020. Uh, we're very happy to have Tim Venable here today from Cornet Global, uh, who is a very important and uh, leader in this initiative, and he's got a very lively conversation, so we're going to expect a lot of audience participation today. I want to see a lot of hands go up. Uh, Tim uh, might even turn into a little Phil Donahue while he's working the room, and I'm going to have a mic in the back as well with Chris or Beth, or a volunteer, so if we uh, need to reach you in the back, we will as well. So if I could, I'd like to ask our gentleman to come up. Uh, and I'll introduce them one by one. We're very lucky that the moons and stars lined up to have this group uh, able to uh, come together at the same time, so we're pretty excited about it. I'm gonna gonna start with Bill, who's on the end, just coming up the stairs there. Bill's VP for Global Real Estate and Facilities Management for Tyco International, which is a diversified global company providing security and fire protection products and services, valves, and controls, and other industrial products. Bill assumed leadership of the real estate function, which today serves over 100,000 employees in approximately 1,600 locations, covering 34 million square feet, and in 60 countries. So imagine that database. Welcome, Bill Alexander. Thank you. Uh, To his right is uh, Rich Wagner, who is a uh, familiar to many of us as he serves on numerous coordinate functions here in Chicago and nationally. Uh, Rich has been Director of Client and Workplace Strategies for AT&T Corporate Real Estate since July of 2009 and leads a team of senior managers focused on the delivery of client relationship management services to uh, his company's 30 business units as well as the development and implementation of AT&T's evolving workplace. Uh, For 30 years, Richard has worked in the corporate and commercial real estate industry, and has presented at numerous functions, as I mentioned, and was a finalist for the Global Innovator Awards. Give it up for Rich Wagner. Thanks, Rich.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. And Rick Cariva uh, also joins us. Uh, Rick just came off several months of strategic planning, so he's uh, pretty happy to be out with uh, uh, his friends today, so give him a warm welcome. He's the... uh, VP of global real estate for Honeywell International, a diversified tech and manufacturing leader headquartered in Morristown, New Jersey, with sales of $36 billion a year. Honeywell's real estate portfolio consists of over 1,300 locations and 60 million square feet worldwide. Rick is responsible for all real estate and development activities supporting Honeywell's global operations. And to moderate today's panel, we want to thank and welcome Tim Venable from Coronet Global in Atlanta. He's the VP of Knowledge and Research uh, for the Mothership, as John called it. And Tim leads a team uh, that delivers a wide range of knowledge-based services uh, for our association and all the members of this room. And I hope you've taken advantage of a lot of the things, uh, including transformational research, survey-based research, uh, discovery forums, Uh, the Knowledge Center, which I've referred to many times, and the Executive Leaders Council. So we're very happy to have him here in this great panel of people. It's going to be very interactive. Tim, I'm going to turn it over to you, and uh, have a great show. Thank you.
2: Thanks very much, Tony, for that warm welcome, and John, and I want to thank not only the panel for joining me here for the for the program today, but to thank each one of you for coming. How rewarding it is to look out and see a room with this many people so impressed with the health and vitality of the Chicago chapter and the sponsors, <coughs> Wow, just what tremendous support you have here from the membership. So my hat off to you for creating such a good environment here for real estate professionals in the Chicago area. <coughs> Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for allowing me to come. We're here to talk about the future today. We're here to talk about 2020 and specifically enterprise leadership in the year 2020. So, what will it take to be a successful enterprise leader, a senior leader in a corporate real estate and workplace organization in the year 2020? What's going to happen? How will we need to change to be successful? That's what we're here to talk about. And of course, the backdrop. The context for this whole conversation is, as Tony mentioned, our 2020 Transformational Research Initiative. This is not the first time Cornet Global has been involved in something like this. Those of you who have been members for a number of years remember the Core 2010 Initiative from just a few years ago, where we were trying to project where will the industry be in 2010. And here we are today talking about even farther in the future, 2020. Prior to that, you might remember Corporate Real Estate 2000 and some of the groundbreaking ideas that came forth from that. But here today, we're here to talk about 2020, and so, advance the slide here. Basically, let me give you a little bit of background before we get into the meat of it. This is a year-long effort, recently concluded, where we engaged our members, thought leaders in the industry, to help us project where is the industry going, where is the future of our profession, and we did it by engaging about 300 leading members around the world. I'm very happy to say that the People who were driving and leading this, the members who collaborated with us to deliver this, were very global in their orientation, and so we had a great global representation to help drive us to these conclusions. So we spent a year working on this, and we delivered the final results at the San Diego Summit just uh, very recently. If you were at the summit, thank you very much. And so we're here today to talk about one dimension of 2020. Now, how do we go about this, and how do we do it? We engaged these leaders. We said, okay... What's going to be happening in the world around us that's going to influence the corporate world, which will then influence real estate? So we started with things like technology, globalization, risk management, demographic shifts, energy supply, the cost of oil, all those things that the mega trends that will drive corporate strategy and hence will then drive the work of gentlemen like these as they try to align and support with the successful direction of their business. So predictions, predictions are hard, right? We don't know what the future's gonna be, but we've got a point in that direction. We've got to get the ship turned in what we think is directionally the right way to go. So that's what this is, it's our best effort to say, here's where the real estate profession's going. There were eight dimensions, I'll show you those in, in just a moment. We're here today to talk about just one of those enterprise leadership, but it really starts and ends with leadership, right? So this one is just crucial. So we started off with these predictions in the form of bold statements, and then what did we do? We vetted those. We vetted those with members around the world at our summits. We vetted those with a global survey of our end-user membership. So that's what we're going to do today is to show you those results, bounce the ideas off the panel. And then we want to get your thoughts and ideas too. One of the things that Cornet Global is trying to do more and more is create participatory learning. So we want more interaction, more audience involvement. So we want you to feel a part of this because we want your opinions too. 2020 won't evolve the same for all companies and all industries. It's going to be different. You'll hear differences of opinion from our panelists. You may have an opinion that supports or that refutes one of these predictions. We'd like to hear it. We want to get you involved. So basically, here are the research teams. If you were on one of these teams, thank you very much. If you granted an interview to one of these teams, thank you very much. And finally, if you're with one of these companies, thank you very much, because we couldn't carry out an initiative like this without the support of sponsors. Again, so impressed with the wide range of sponsorship support here in the Chicago chapter. So the format. We've got six bold statements to look at, six predictions for the future. So I'll show you the bold statement. We'll see what the survey said. Remember, Richard Dawson survey said. Remember, okay. Survey said. <laughs> All right. And then we'll get some sample member comments. We did a lot of work to dig up information uh, 150, or 160 interviews with leading. Uh, end users, like the gentleman here on the stage, with some of you, with leading uh, people in academia, so we really cast a broad net to get input on the future. So we're going to give you some of those comments, then we'll get the views of the panel, and then I'll turn to you to get your thoughts and ideas too. So that's sort of how we're going to go about this. Here's the first one, the first one of the bold statements, and I don't want to stand where these folks over here can't can't see but here's the first one it says here by 2020 senior leaders will evolve from subject matter specialists focused on execution to something different what are they going to transition to integrators change agents and strategists who are viewed internally as an essential equal partner to and for the business now that's a mouthful but it's a lot and this is crucial Is this the way the industry's going? Is this what our senior end user members need to become to be successful? That's what our team said. And so this is the survey results. As you can see here, there's strong support and strong agreement for this view of the future. Looks like about 79% of the members who were surveyed say, yes, I agree with that. That's where we're going. 13% neutral, but there's there's that 8% that go, nah, not sure about that, not sure about that transition. Got problems with parts of that, but that's the statement, transitioning from execution, getting things done, doing deals, to something different, integrating, integrating internally, integrating outward, being a change agent, making change happen, and being a strategist. And look at that second piece, viewed internally as an essential equal partner to and for the business. Isn't that sort of what Cornette Global's been talking about for years? We want to be relevant, we want to be strategic, we want to add value to the business, and all that is essential to help you succeed in your role and in your career. So this is the first of the bold statements. We see this is the general direction of the industry. It'll vary for different people, different companies, different industries. So with that, let's turn to the panel, and I don't have a particular order whether Rich wants to weigh in or Rick or Bill, but let's just get some thoughts from the panel as to whether they... Support this, and they align with this or not. Who will jump in to get it started?
3: I'll, I'll make a statement <laughs> and uh, really quote Thomas Edison with, vision without execution is someone's hallucination. So I, you know, I, I agree with parts of this, but I disagree with, with most of it. And the fact is that <laughs> you, you've got to have both. You've got to have vision, you've got to be an integrator, and you've got to execute. And I, I know from my personal experience that uh, 23 years or so, 24 years of, of involved in corporate real estate, it's both. And at the end of the day, you're only successful when you come up with a great plan and you execute that great plan. And, and I think part of getting things done is having somebody who's accountable. I think the idea of, of integrating is, is crucial. And we, we probably all do it today in terms of getting various work partners involved, getting the business involved, coming up with robust scenarios to, to analyze, and that's great. Really important. But without the ability to get it done, it's a, a, you know, a, an hallucination. So I just think that that both are critical.
2: Before we turn to these gentlemen, let me grab a couple of comments here first. I really intended to show you these member comments before we turn to the panel. So let's grab a couple of these before we hear from Bill and Rich. So here's a couple of the people surveyed. Mark Nichols, former board member, Cornet Global, HR background. He used to be head of workplace for Bank of America. Some of you might know him. He's now with Sony Electronics, and here's what he's saying about this. He's saying, yeah, we've got to make that, we've got to make that transition. We've got to make that evolution, but wow, don't wait until 2020. Look what he says. If you're making that transition in 2020... I don't, think you're, I don't think you're employed. So he's really in line with this, okay? And this is why we have differences of opinion. We want to show that there's more than one way to look at this. But this is Martin Nichols' opinion. Here's one more. Dave Wagner, what a sharp guy, interviewed Dave with Cisco. Here's his opinion. He says, in our world, if I waited until 2020 to do this, I'm not employed. He says, I'm not there, but wow, I'm getting there. I'm climbing that uh, uh, pyramid And he's building strategies with business leaders, significant business leaders. So he's seeing, okay, that that core group in the CRE is going to shrink and become more strategic, more oriented around client relationship management, more of the tactical going out to partners. So he's in line with this too now. And before again, we turn to these gentlemen. I've got two other uh, pieces of content I want to show you. We've got some video clips from several people that we interviewed. And let me get a couple of people here, and they're going to, they're going to, sort of support what Rick is saying here in that, you know what? I see some problems with this. I see some problems with this vision that you're putting forward. So let me show you just a couple of quick video clips here. And I will have to minimize this. This is, this is Billy Davidson. He's head of, Property for Vodafone. He's based in London.
4: Good morning. Uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Billy Davidson, and I'm property director for Vodafone, uh, one of the largest telecoms companies in the world. I've been asked to share with you some of my thoughts about the role of property leaders in business. And one of the things that strikes me is that there are too many business leaders who see property as a very simplistic operational uh, activity almost a janitorial service in many ways. They also seem to think that, hey, any good manager can manage property. Well, from my point of view, I think that until the business leaders recognise that property is a technically specialist area, but that the people who manage it are not just specialists, but people who can understand business, then there's no way we'll ever be seen as strategic equals or business partners with them.
2: Okay. So, Billy is saying business leaders don't view property people as strategic, they view property as more of a janitorial service, and so he's saying that's going to help prevent us from achieving this 2020 vision. So, Billy would be among that 8% who are saying, you know, I don't know that we can get there, I don't know that we're going to be viewed as an essential equal partner to and for the business. Now, Billy's organization, he runs an organization where there are country real estate managers, and I believe... The org structure is that those country leaders have a solid line of the business and a dotted line back to him, okay? So when I hear this janitorial service, he's saying some too many business leaders view real estate as a janitorial service. And again, this shows my age. Remember the old Maytag repairman, okay? A little bit of laughter from the older people in the room like me, okay? Maytag repairman, Maytag repairman. What, what, What was his life like? He sat there. And he was lonely. Why? Because the Maytag appliances are so good, nobody ever had to call. Okay? But he was just sort of there. He wasn't very proactive. He just sort of waited for the phone to ring. That's sort of what Billy's referencing here. Let's look at one more video. This one is from Gary Pellet. Gary is with Bank of New Zealand, and he's got a different reason why. As Rick's saying, I'm not sure I agree with all this 2020 vision here for this first bold statement. Let's see what Gary has to say about this.
3: My personal view is that corporate real estate as we know it today won't exist in 2020. We already have experienced outsourced partners who provide integrated services, and I can see. Project management, transaction and facilities management being run by the finance area of organizations or procurement. The corporate real estate professional in a new form will be part of change management embedded in the enterprise.
2: Okay, a little different viewpoint there. Kind of provocative, right? So Let's get our slide deck back up. Let's see, which one do we need? We need that one, don't we? Okay. Well, I guess we can go back through them. Okay, so you heard his comments. You heard Gary's comments. And what is he saying? He's saying, wow, property or real estate as we know it today is not even going to exist by 2020. He sees some threats, what he perceives as threats. He says big service providers are going to take over some of the role that internal real estate has now. They can do that integration And he also says, you know what, finance and procurement may take over a lot of what we do now. He does see a role for real estate. He says, oh, it's kind of in the change management area, maybe around workplace, but that's going to be embedded in some other uh, part of the corporation. So that's hardly, you think about this curve, advancing up the curve, becoming more strategic, adding value to the business, being seen as a real asset by the C-suite. That's not what Gary sees. All right, now, my friends over here, let's hear from Bill and then Rich.
4: I'm gonna go with the very politically uh, appropriate statement that they're all right. You know, this this statement is a question to the industry that says, what do you aspire to? And all of these comments are where on the continuum of maturity of your department you land. In 2020, we're not all gonna be anywhere that is aligned with any of these particular visions. There are people that are achieving this level of integration in our industry now successfully. There are companies that don't have a real estate function at all, successfully. They're making money, but in this particular area, they are immature. And I, I think this is just, this is an aspirational statement for the, for the industry. I think it'd be more correct to me to say by 2020, more senior leaders will evolve from subject matter expert to integrator. I think that trend is appropriate. And, uh, you know, Few and far between will go there. We said this in 2002. We said this in 2010. I'm dating myself with Tim, I was back on the 2000 yeah. crew too, mm-hmm. or around in the, or in the industry at the time. And I think this is just the yardstick by which we can measure our own maturity of, of engagement with the business. Okay,
2: Great,
1: uh, yeah, I would, raise I would your thoughts. Just, I would build upon uh, the point that Rick made previously. It, there's always, there's been a quest for a long time for corporate real estate folks to be viewed as strategists within the business. But in order to be successful, I think you first have to demonstrate that your tactical implementation is the center of excellence. I think that's key and I think you build credibility that way. Having said that, I do think that skills are, your, the skills of corporate real estate uh, managers and leaders must evolve to the point that they're keeping pace with the demand that they see within their employee workplace. And um, you know, that's kind of where we're focused today. Much of, you know, some of what you're seeing on this page, uh, we're actually engaged in kind of delivering uh, workplace solutions in that manner. I also would take a exception with the, with the phrase by 2020. I think if you're not moving a lot faster than that, in this particular area, that somebody will do it for you.
2: So, Rich, you're very much in line with, say, Mark Nichols' comment today, Wagner's comment, that yeah, parts of this that are essential. You've got to get moving now. I would agree, yeah. Okay. Okay, very good. All right. Thank you, panel, for that. Let's get an opinion out here in the audience. As I said, uh, we don't want you to consider yourselves just an audience, but a participatory part of this event. So who's got a view on this? either in support or in contradiction of it. We'll bring you a mic. There's a mic in the back, and we'll have one up here. Okay. (laughs) All right. Very good. Well, let's take a look at the next one. Here's the next of the bold statements. This one says that senior leaders will be competent in the core business and possess a skill set that is diversified, cross-functional, and focused on customer relationship and process management. They will advocate sustainability and corporate social responsibility goals. So, and again, you see here broad support for this bold statement. Looks like about um, 85% uh, agreed or st- uh, strongly agreed with this one, and I think that's the, the most strongly supported of all these bold statements. 9% neutral, 6% uh, don't, really, don't really see it that way. So competent in the core business and have this diversified cross-functional skill set, CRM and process management, and of course being focused on sustainability and, and CSR. So let's look at a couple of comments here from... From members, I don't know if we have anyone here from, from T-Mobile, but uh, Sean Prasad, really sharp guy here. He was based in the uh, the Bay Area with Logitech for years. I think a year or so ago, he moved to the uh, Pacific Northwest. He's he's in Seattle now with T-Mobile, and uh, newly newly elected to the global board, newly appointed to the global board of Cornet Global, by the way. And he's saying this: they're migrating in this in this regard in his organization, more and more leaders in the real estate or workplace organization, need to understand the business of the business and deliver solutions that are solutions to help the business, not just improve real estate. So he hammered that home again and again in the interview that he did. Perhaps you heard him speak in the learning quarters. If you were in San Diego, you saw one of the innovations in what was formerly the exhibit hall, now reimagination, in where he spoke and several of the other 2020 leaders gave some short presentations, and he had this to say there. He's saying, I see more and more leaders in the organization who aren't traditional real estate and facilities people. They've got different backgrounds now. They've got finance backgrounds or legal backgrounds, maybe even business product backgrounds. You wouldn't have heard that 10, 15, 20 years ago. So that's Sean Prasad's view. Here's another one. Again, another person whom I really respect, Mike, at one time was on the global board of Cornet Global. He was based in London for years, a couple years or so ago. They asked him to move to The Hague, where a lot of the really senior management for Shell is, so he could have that proximity to other senior leaders when they're making uh, decisions. Here's what he says. Less of a deep need moving forward for that really intensive real estate knowledge. Why? A couple of reasons here because that knowledge is either going to be somebody on your team or it's going to be at one of your partners. Okay, all these big service provider companies who are supporters of the chapter, that, that expertise resides there now. Okay? He says there's less and less of the need to be both a leader and a subject matter expert, but is it really that simple? We'll get some views up here. Here's another person I really respect, and I don't know if you were at the San Diego Summit, but you probably saw... Uh, If you were, Sarah Abrams taking part in general session two, where we talked about some of the 2020 findings. And she said, you know what? There's this trend today where people are saying, you know, that you don't have to know anything about real estate to run a real estate organization. She said, just think about it like this. Would you hire someone to be the new VP of finance who didn't know anything about finance? Would you hire a new HR director of your company who had never done human resources work? Would you, would you bring on board a new global leader for IT who didn't know anything about IT? Of course not. So she's saying the idea that you would hire somebody as a senior leader for real estate who didn't know anything about real estate is, you know? She's pretty forceful, okay? Pretty opinionated personality, really loves Sarah. So that's her view, okay? That's her view about this. And another thing she said, I'll just toss this in before I forget it. She said, sort of tying back to what Gary from Bank of New Zealand said, so the idea that you're going to achieve all these 2020 visions and have real estate reports to procurement no way doesn't fit doesn't work. Okay. So here's the opinion here of those two gentlemen. Here's another long-serving member of Cornet, you know, Frank Robinson, okay? Most of us know Frank. He's with McKesson Fortune 20 healthcare company based in the Bay Area, uh, very technologically intensive a company that provides healthcare services sort of linking up the healthcare industry and here's what he's saying when we look for people in our organization here's what we're looking for business acumen business skills customer relations and the ability to work with the other parts of our company to bring the solutions forward he's got a he's got a small group that does CRM business unit CRM people and then a small group of functional leaders who connect up with their key provider So it's this typical model that we're moving toward more and more. Smaller internal team leveraged by a large group of providers. So this is Frank's opinion. Let's get some views here from the panel again. Senior leaders, competent in the core business. Doesn't mean you have to know everything about the product that you do, but you need to know enough about it to be able to figure out how to use real estate to enable it. Take Dave Wagner at Cisco. He's never going to understand all the engineering behind the latest router. You know, um, uh, Chris Owens at, at Microsoft, from whom we'll hear in a few minutes, he's not going to know everything about the really high-tech stuff, the futuristic stuff that Microsoft is doing. But he needs to know enough about what that business needs to succeed to deliver a real estate solution. And then we have these other pieces here about the background of the senior leader. So do we agree, disagree, not sure? Let's get some, get some views from the panel on this one. Two things.
4: One is I agree with Sarah and her view that it's fundamentally flawed to be hiring a real estate leader with no real estate experience. I think the companies that are taking their assistant general counsel and making them the real estate person or their assistant finance VP and making them the real estate person are places where we as an industry have failed to show the value of our expertise to their CFO, HR, CEO. We just haven't reached them enough to get there. Uh, I think they would all be better off coming to folks that are, are versed in the subject matter expert world and teaching them the business drivers of that enterprise is a shorter learning curve than learning the world of corporate real estate on a global scale. So, I, I would line up with that. From the, from the business standpoint, I think this goes back to the old, uh, you know, fundamental core purpose of the real estate, you know, driving purpose of the real estate department. Align your real estate strategy with the needs of the business. And that's, that's going to differ. If you're, you know, in a manufacturing environment, if you're only bringing AWS to the table, you're missing the point because 80% of the folks aren't sitting in the office. They're sitting in the plant. They're in the warehouse. They're out there without a computer. So the, the technology solution isn't, isn't the path. So it's, you have to understand who you're working for. You have to understand the needs of the business. But you've got to be, this. in my opinion, you've got to be the subject matter expert that can bridge that gap between the real estate industry and the industry of the business to add value. Bill,
3: the only thing I'd say, I don't know if you can hear the mic or not, but the only thing I, I take a little exception on is that when we say that we failed in terms of um, you know recognizing the value of real estate by not expressing it, it could be the fact that the CEO is not smart enough, sure. okay? Because, <laughs> because anybody that doesn't realize how much is tied up both in, in P&L and cash and everything that's important to shareholders in real estate and recognize that having real estate be an enabler to business strategy and, you know, really taking their assets, which, you know, many of these corporations, I speak from the standpoint of a multinational, you do too, where we have billions of dollars tied up in, in our assets, applying the expertise of real estate, certain strategies, things that, you talk about procurement, okay, they're worried about, no offense to anybody who's from procurement, but they're worry, worried about the lowest fee for a provider. That, that's not the effective measure. The the effective measure is all about coming up with the right solution and and applying our expertise, whether it's, you know, let's take a transaction where you've got an operation that's um, underutilized, the site that's underutilized, it's contaminated. Okay, are you just going to sit on that asset forever? You could take tools of real estate like environmental liability transfer deals or sale partial leasebacks, those kind of tools that somebody without our expertise is never going to think of. And yes, you could have a provider that, that maybe stimulates some of it, but I think it's a blend. I think, you know, knowing the business, being able to speak in their language in terms of p l cash, balance sheet, income statements, and, and knowing real estate is really the whole package. And that's the head. that, to me, is where the most progressive real estate organizations are going to head. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we as an organization need to strive for. Just to clarify, I think the failure
4: is an the the failure of the industry is an opportunity for us to reach out to organizations like the Conference Board and ISM and the other places and be educating CEO, CFO, Chief Procurement Officer types of people on that value proposition. Yeah, no, I agree. Now you, you you go to the summits. I'm not meeting our bosses. I'm meeting us, and we're engaged in dialogue. But we need to reach out to back to the business to help sell the proposition. No
3: no doubt. It's a combination. But you take experienced CEOs like Ed Ed Breen, your CEO, Dave Cody, my CEO. (laughs) I've worked with both of them. Ed used to be at Motorola. And those guys had it. I mean, they knew it. They understood the value. They put real estate right there at the table and made great things happen. And to me, that's the opportunity that that we have.
1: Yeah, I actually disagree with Bill's view. I think that uh, corporate <laughs> that <was fun> <laughs> I think that, that uh, corporate real estate can benefit <laughs> greatly from the influx of expertise, knowledge and experience that can come by bringing somebody from outside, from, out, from outside the core of, of that entity. And I, I mean, the case on point uh, that I'm aware of is what's happened in our own company, where we recently filled uh, a property management VP with a gentleman that came from product development product development and marketing. And he was very much focused on cycle time and time to market and that type of thing. And he brought that discipline um, to his property management team and it really made a, a huge impact. Um, speaking for myself, the last two people that I've hired, senior leaders, that I, senior managers that I brought on my team, one came from uh, marketing analytics and the other person came from finance. And those folks too brought expertise that we didn't have within those jobs, within the core real estate group. Now, do they lag a little bit behind in terms of understanding properties? They do, but I don't think that's rocket science. And I think you can get them up to speed pretty quick by immersing them kind of in projects and and that type of thing. So that's, we've been pretty successful there. The second part of this statement, the bold statement here, I don't think is very bold, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, had, had they said, had this group said that companies going forward will all have sustainability officers and that corporate real estate will be arrayed underneath the sustainability officer, I think that would be much more bold um, because, frankly, I think that's where we're headed. I think companies uh, take that much more seriously today, and that will continue to evolve as a top-of-mind topic.
2: Okay, great points there, Ridge. Thank you. So let's not forget the part about sustainability and corporate social responsibility. One of the things we, we, again, just to reinforce this point, when we were working with the teams, we said, we want you to project what you think will happen, not what you hope will happen. So that was sort of a governing principle for the teams. And um, uh, the other thing is that we wanted them to project where they thought the typical Cornet Global member firm would be by 2020, not necessarily where some of the leading edge firms might be. Okay. So any other thoughts, panel, before we turn to the audience on this one? Might sound a
4: little cold, but I think that companies will only advocate sustainability and corporate support, social responsibility goals if the marketplace demands it. I agree. And it, you
3: know,
4: well, we're, we're yeah. they are in business. Co- correct. And I think people need to be reminded of that, and yeah. that in, if it doesn't show up, if people are still going to go off price only or. Not value those types of things on the customer side of the exchange, I think that trend will weaken. Uh, It's up to the marketplace to decide that.
3: I agree with that. I I think that though the marketplace is headed in that direction, it it certainly seems, um, you know, with all the global events that are occurring and and different things, that it's clearly a a trend. But the market, it's got to make business sense, there's no doubt.
2: Exactly. Just to Rick's point here, it has to make business sense. And thinking back on some of, the, uh, some of the interviews I did to support enterprise leadership, I remember one of the interviewees saying, you know, you can't sell sustainability internally because you love trees. It has to make business sense. You've got to be able to make that case. And you have to be able to sell it in a, in a, in a way, in a, in a very polished way. So one of the people, again, thinking about one of the interviews was saying, You know, that's one of the skills that often is lacking when somebody gets elevated to a more senior role in real estate. They don't have the more polished sales and communication skills that are needed to sell these big global initiatives. So that's something to move toward for 2020 as well. Okay.
3: That is, to me, a very important point that you just made. And it is passion. You know, um, we all have passion for real estate. And I think that is an important part of of the drive that gets things done, that gets people on board, they can sense, uh, you know, the, the energy, and enthusiasm about it, and that doesn't happen from somebody who just doesn't kind of have that DNA in them.
2: Great point. Okay. All right. Now, views from the views from the audience. Do you agree? Disagree? What's your What's your opinion on this? And we have one back here. Okay.
4: Um, I have more of a question than a position statement. Um, my, My question is when it comes to these CSR issues, whether it's sustainability or supplier diversity, that sort of thing, are you experiencing your CEOs coming to you or do you feel like it's the real estate function raising their hand and saying, hey, CEO, pay attention to me? And I guess second part of that, what is it now and how would you like to see it change?
1: I can go ahead. I'll jump in. I was gonna, I'll
3: jump in. I mean, I'll say from a personal perspective Honeywell, 50% of our products are focused on energy efficiency and a you know, safer environment. So it clearly is part of our strategy to drive uh, energy efficiency and, and, and uh, sustainability. So our CEO is actively engaged in it. It's because we're in that business, though.
4: I'd say we have, we're responding to the marketplace and then. The internal dynamics of we get a goal uh, and drive to that goal, so you know, we 've got a goal to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions over twenty five percent over the next five years, and how we get there happens in the way you 've described that uh, you know a, a, an internal task and some up well why don 't we do this with waste, and why don 't we do this with our water and you know, wh- which parts are better aligned with which business and there 's a dialogue back and forth that goes to that, but uh, you know, ultimately the participation in that is market driven that we we see our customers value that. We see every RFP we get for work asking what our goals are. You know, they don't need more than the customer knocking on the door saying, What are you doing in this space to think, oh, I gotta come up with an answer.
1: Yeah, and um, we've been publishing sustainability report for the last few years and uh, business units are actively encouraged to you know, participate and drive green initiatives and, and pursue energy efficiency and conservation and those types of things. So it's very much a leadership issue with us.
4: I will say some of our most successful environmental programs, though, are grassroots level. Somebody in a field office with a passion comes in and, you know, redoes the recycling plan for that facility. Yeah. You know, just people taking what they're interested in bringing it in into the workplace in a, in a real grassroots, grounds-up kind of way.
5: Yes, mm-hmm. one back here. I'm in the document destruction business, and about half of it has to do with compliance and security, and the other half has to do with environmental responsibility, sustainability, etc. Um, I work with Fortune 500 companies, and I'd say probably half of them uh, want the reports about how many trees we're saving, want to know how we're recycling, have programs in place. I just pulled half out of the air. I mean, that's not necessarily a, a documented number. Um, but really, the sea the, the level personnel security is, is the utmost concern. My documents have to be destroyed properly. And by the way, everything has to be recycled. So I see it from both perspectives, and I see um, we do the reports, it's important, the companies are keeping that information, they need it for their stockholders, shareholders, whomever, and they do care. But it, it seems to be secondary to the security and compliance piece of it.
2: Okay, great. Anyone else want to weigh in on this bold statement? You agree with it? Full of baloney? Okay. Very good. Let's take a look at the next one. Both statement number three. Senior leaders will champion the integration of leading-edge technology into real estate workplace operations and into the workplace itself to support increased employee productivity, a topic we'll get to again in a moment, and an enhanced employee experience. Once again, you see strong support for, for this view of the future Looks to be about 82% either agree or strongly agree, a few neutral and a small number who who disagree. So real estate people having a role in championing the integration of leading edge technology into real estate and workplace stuff, and then beyond that into the workplace itself. So real estate workplace operations, you know, your platforms to manage the portfolio, sure, but into the workplace itself, the workplace technology that employees use day to day. And again, there's a whole different work stream on the topic of technology, and there's lots of interesting and fairly bold predictions in that one, talking about bring your own technology and even things like embedded and uh, emotional sensing devices that we think may be there uh, by, uh, by 2020, uh, building sensors and all these different things. So let's just take a look at some comments here. Again, Chris Owens, don't know if you know him, really sharp guy, nice guy. Uh, he's the uh, global head of real estate facilities for Microsoft. He says, yeah, you've got to do this. And you would expect him to say that, right? You'd expect him to say that. (laughs) He says, of course I've got to say that, Tim. I'm with a technology company. But we've got to do that. He says, they'll either lead into that or they'll get dragged into that. All right? Because what's happening? It's consumerization of technology. Okay? You see people bringing their goodies into the office. And oftentimes, employees will have better technology of their personal belongings than they get in the office. So it's coming. It's happening. Okay, he says, but I'm more cautionary on the part about bringing, of CRE having a role, bringing technology out to the general population. CRE wouldn't necessarily have a big role in that. And again, just to talk about how these things bump up against each other, all these dimensions, all these eight domains touch each other. Real estate, you know, HR touches IT, touches technology, touches sustainability, as we just talked about. And so all these bump up against each other, and as it relates to the partnering you know, there's a whole dimension around the partnering that HR and IT and real estate and other functions need to have, too. We, maybe we can get into that uh, before we go. So that, this is Chris Owen's perspective. Erica Chapman on the global board, she recently left this company. She's with um, Sylvania. I think it's a lighting company in the Boston area. Nice young lady. Here's her opinion. Technology is going to be really important, obviously. It's going to happen by 2020, but maybe not so, not so dramatic. It'll be, it'll be a slower progression. Okay, so championing the adoption of technology. What's the role of real estate in in this? Okay, the survey says, yeah, real estate needs to be involved in that, championing the adoption of technology. So views from the panel. Okay, is this something that you think the senior leader needs to really be on top of to be successful by, by 2020?
4: I agree with the champion statement. No, I don't think that necessarily means you own all of the technology, infrastructure implementation, the rest of that. But certainly a, a champion. Uh, I think the motivation is missing. One, you know, you've got employee productivity and enhanced employee experience, and we're all still focused on cost. Until some of these technologies are cheaper, we're not going to implement them. Yeah. So, but you know, the wireless office will be in this window of time, and we can. Stop paying two bucks a foot to cable space, and that'll be, a pl- that'll be what drives it. It, won't be, it. it won't be productivity because we're not effective enough at measuring employee productivity to put it into the business case to show the payback. So if the productivity measure gets better, that holy grail of mm. managerial measurement, okay. you know, if, that, if that happens, you'll see it adopted much more effectively on that motivation, but until then, it's cost.
2: We're going to get to that one next. That's number four. We'll come back to that one. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, it probably goes, I would say that it goes a little bit beyond championing to championing this to actually being a co-delivery participant with the IT organization. I think that going forward, real estate and IT really have to focus on this effectively together to to enable work. By their employee body, regardless of whether it's inside a building or elsewhere, Um, I think you'll see a lot of real estate departments start to use technology to deliver a a variety of different types of uh, office typologies and locationally, as well as within spaces within locations where you attract personnel. So, you know, we're trialing something like this today—a product called Liquid Space. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I would ask you know look at it on uh, on the internet, but um, really a kind of a cutting edge technology in looking at terms of how to identify and reserve and access office space, um, and uh, really has a lot of potential. I I see more and more of that kind of evolving g- going forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, I
3: would just say that um, I agree with what Chris Owen said from the standpoint of, I really don't see in eight years, it's not that far off, it's already, you know, that, that real estate will run IT and will be the innovator of all the great technology that we don't even know about today. I think there's clearly an opportunity for the whole to be greater than the sum of the parts. And, you know, whether it's uh, holograms or however we're gonna communicate in, in the future, I think it's gonna be critically important to partner with experts in technology but again, both can't get things done without each other. I, I just think there's enough you know, segregation between the two that, that uh, and so many changing things that are happening. I, I think the idea is how do you integrate better and, and stay on the, you know, the, the edge of that integration and, and leverage real estate to, to do our part of it.
4: Yeah. What is it about our industry
3: that always wants to run everything? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We always want to be top of the org. That's true. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If, and if I know you what went, I don't want to run, procurement. <laughs> did I say that twice? <laughs> right. I believe you That's did. Right. I
0: know there's a lot of
4: organization. I report into the chief procurement officer, and he runs IT and real estate. Yeah. You know. So there's uh, there's there's that aspect of it that I think is significant. I think the piece we miss is we think of IT as only what IT delivers in our space, and we think of HR as only what they deliver to the employees we serve. If you go ask, you know, your senior HR person what their top three focus areas are, you know, they're going to tell you executive compensation, benefits costs, and nothing close to anything Pension. that's in our space. Yep. Right, yep. pensions, yep. exactly. And then if you talk to IT, they're going to be talking about enterprise platforms, ERP. They're not talking about, you know, wireless in the office kind of, kind of stuff. Right. So we're, you know, we touch 20% to each of these departments, and somehow we think we should be running them all.
3: Yeah, but you know, at the, and at the same time, at the end of the day, we're in that position to integrate
2: and get things done again. Is right. that okay? Great comments there, gentlemen. Views from the audience on this one. Anybody have a strong opinion about this? I just have side yes.
0: During the research, has has there been like lines drawn between the manufacturer? Of the world that are maybe primarily office occupiers and guys like Bill, who has a lot of production and assembly and manufacturing. Was there a lot of, I mean, diversity of opinion? Diversity of opinion, I mean, where you could clearly see it in the research?
2: Mm -hmm. And there's some of that reflected in the reports. So we'll get to the reports later. You can download all eight of these reports plus a summary off the website. If you haven't gotten yours yet, please do. But yes, there's certainly some diversity around the industry sector. Absolutely. Okay. But great point there is that, is that the part that needs to come together in an integrated fashion is the pieces of HR and IT and real estate that bump up against each other, not that whole big piece. Okay? Very good. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the next one. Bold statement number four. Wow. We said we were going to get to this topic, measuring workplace productivity. The holy grail, as, as Bill mentioned. So, we said, and we, stepping out here, okay, stepping, out. ooh, feels kind of bad, ooh, risky. Senior leaders will be able to measure the impact of workplace infrastructure on business units and the enterprise. So you see a bare majority, a scant majority, 52% agree that by 2020 we will have solved that, we will have cracked that nut, we will have gotten there. Huge number in the middle go, "Well, yeah, maybe I don't know." And then there's 16% say, "Nope, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen." So We've talked about this a lot over the years, talking about in terms of, wow, if we could crack this nut, we could really demonstrate to the C-suite the value and the contribution of real estate. It's one thing to, you know, to play with cost as a lever, but wow, if we could show that we can increase the productivity of our office population, our knowledge workers by 2%, 3%, 5%, wow, what a huge impact that makes. Okay, but will we get there? Here's a couple of opinions. And again, this is a very forward-thinking forward gentleman here. Chris Owens says, I think we'll figure out how to do it, but boy, it's going to take some research. He said, it's just like finding the cure for you know, some, some dread disease. It's going to take research. It's going to take effort. We've got to put the effort and the research in it to get there. His organization, they're valued for their contribution toward productivity, not just being an optimizer of assets. So that gives him a little bit of leeway to move forward in this, and he's actually got people on his team that are working on this, working on how to show the connection between changes in the workplace and the productivity of people. And he says, we're playing a lot bigger sandbox when we're talking about impact on people and revenue, all right? So, But there's different views on this one, too. Here's Vito, all right? Vito is with Telstra. He's based in Australia, and look what he says, subjective argument, been around a long time, nobody's been able to nail it. Very hard to tie the workplace to productivity gain. And he says if you start focusing on that, it doesn't give you any credibility at all. He says it turns people off. And they say, look at, look at real estate. Look at property. It's a tail wagging the dog. Or, you know, a dog barking up the wrong tree. Continue the canine metaphor, okay? So that's his, that's his opinion, all right? Here's somebody else. Mark Gorman. Many of you know Mark. Very involved in cornet for years. Teaches the capstone. You know, great guys with Sienna Corporation. He says, it's going to remain elusive. This is going to remain elusive. You can measure productivity in a plant, okay? Honeywell can measure productivity. How many, you know, um, automotive afterproducts or aerospace systems that they can generate, they, they know how to do that. He says, but being connected out here with your laptop and your iPhone doesn't necessarily equate to productivity. He says, we still lack the ability to get this done And many of the senior leaders that I interviewed said, yeah, that's just going to remain very elusive, Tim. If we could do it, it'd be great. I don't see it happening. So those are just some perspectives on that. So the holy grail, as it's sometimes called, we've got some workplace experts out here today. Senior leaders will be able to measure the impact of workplace infrastructure on business units and the enterprise. Okay, thoughts on this one?
3: I think we're overthinking it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just common sense, right? I can, who would disagree that you bring people together, you get them under one roof, that you're not driving productivity, both in measures of cost as well as effectiveness, that bringing different, and again, I'll take a multinational, multidivisional type, type view. If you don't get them together, and I've personally experienced this, where you get various offices under one roof, it, you're the one, real estate, introducing them to each other. And once they're together, they can determine all kinds of ways to help um, grow the business. So I just think it's common yeah. sense. And yeah, OK, it's the holy grail, but it's kind of a no-brainer. OK. Uh-
4: and yet we're spending millions making them more mobile so they can go other places instead.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yep. Kind of a dichotomy there.
1: Mm-hmm. I disagree completely with this statement and I guess for me probably the more important question is why would you want to expend resources to do this in the first place? Um, I think there's, there's enough value today in the anecdotal evidence that you get from a client by asking them, does this space work for you? If it, it either does or it doesn't, do you have to tie it to hard measures within their work function? I don't, I don't think you do. I, I spent about six months of my life one time trying to prove this, that there was a link between call center productivity and the environment, actually looking at different call centers within AT&T and working with a consultant, and we came away with the understanding that we couldn't do it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, st- I don't see this getting any better by 2020. I think we have something that works today in the form of you know, workplace surveys or focus groups or however you solicit feedback from your client organizations when you deliver a project to them, I think that works.
4: I hate those surveys. (laughs) (laughs) If if you ask me next year, am I more productive next year than I was last year, I'm gonna tell you that I'm at least the 3.5% raise worth of productivity.
2: It's right about that right. level, yeah, just
4: right, right there, baby,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that is
4: the bare benchmark. So rolling up a bunch of surveys of people that you just gave a bunch of money to and asking them whether they're more productive, I, I think is just...
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'm close. not advocating that you would ask me if they're more productive. I'm advocating mm-hmm. that you would ask them, does the environment that you've provided for them enable them to, to, to actually meet their function? <laughs> right, right. Okay. I, so.
4: I, I think that's it. And I, I think the, the productivity piece it's alluded to, but really the, the more attainable, uh, directly measurable kind of view is attraction and retention. And what is the impact of that versus how much is the productivity of that individual knowledge worker in the space. It's, you can get at that attraction retention piece a lot quicker, a lot sooner. And I think we could be trend wise looking at a big pushback to you know, we've all spent the last 10 years doing metro studies and consolidating into one location. And the more urban sprawl is the average commuter at an hour and 10 plus kind of thing. Right. The, the more you find that people are willing to trade all of the AWS benefits, the lead gold, the on the train line, the health club in the building, the cafeteria services. If you just put me a half hour closer to my home, I, you know, I'd, I'd be... a I had that myself. I had a choice of 20 minute commute or an hour commute, field office or lead gold and all the benefits right on the train line. I'll take the 20 minute commute. So I think we might be looking at a reversal of that, going back to some of the field satellite, if we can deliver it with a low cost solution, technology kind of base, less frills, more places to touch and come together. I think you might see that as a trend.
2: Just to support Rich's comment about how you can really get a good sense with the standard customer sat survey, <clears throat> how many people here have been to Cornet's new headquarters in Atlanta? How many have walked in the space? Good. Several hands going up. You know what it's like. It's open. It's collaborative. It's fun. Uh, I knew the moment we walked in there on Monday morning, wow, this is a lot better than what we had. It's more productive. There's more collaboration. I'm getting more done here. You know, so, it, you know, it works. Now, uh, I see we're running a little bit behind, so let's get some thoughts on this one from from you guys. Anybody have an opinion about this? Is, are we ever going to be able to measure with empirical data, scientific rigor, the impact that workplace makes on productivity? Okay, we got one back here.
3: I look at the word productivity almost as, as calling somebody nice. You know, it's, it's very hard to measure, it's, it's hard to define. Um, you have 30 different business units, inside each of those business units are a number of different departments, everybody, the, the word productive is, is, it's so loose, and I don't think you could have a, a straight across the board definition for, for productivity,
2: and therefore it's impossible to measure. Okay, great point there. What's the definition? All right. More with less. Okay, more with less. There you go. Okay, anything else on this one? This has been this has been a really hot topic in the industry for a long time. Okay, wonderful. Let's take a look at number five. So, two more of these t- to go as we go through our uh, content today. Senior leaders will champion change in the supply side of the industry. Okay, including more innovative partnerships and the seamless integration of internal and external resources. So at the heart of this one is it's basically saying that. Gentlemen like these are going to champion change in the supply side. Design, construction, brokerage, uh, project management, everything that the supply side does. 68% agree with that, 23% neutral, 9 disagree. So let's look at a couple of comments. Frank Robinson is saying, yeah, we've got to keep this open dialogue going that we've had for the last 10 years or so between corporates and providers to get that trusting environment says, we need to find innovation and solve the gaps and look for ways to save money, look for ways to save going forward. So Frank's very much in line with this. says, yeah, we can do that. Billy Davidson, he's saying, yeah, we're going to work more closely with our partners and have more effective partnerships because the economy, as Bill said, is cost. The recessionary environment is forcing us to work more closely with our suppliers to get win-win situations. Got to find ways of improving productivity and reducing costs. It's inevitable that we become closer to each other. I dare say, uh, again, the gentleman on the stage and all of you here today, you are working more and more closely as a real team than you ever did before. So, championing change in the supply side of the industry. It could be that some of the changes are championed by you back to the corporates. Let's just get some thoughts here from the panel about this one.
1: I think Frank pretty much nailed it. It comes down to trust and the relationship that you've, you've been able to cultivate with your alliance partners and what they've delivered for you, and, and I would agree with him. I think it's a trust issue much more. You know, cost will always be a factor, but I would say trust first.
4: Yes, it's it's trust and what are the boundaries of the relationship, right? You know that tall fences make good neighbors, and the more you're aligned on that, where the line of the fence is, and you can uh, share over the fence back and forth, I think that works. I think the supply side is, you know, maybe just a little limiting. I, I'd like to see us as an industry come together to affect change across the industry. Now, I still don't have an open registry for any property data in. Half of the globe for you know comps on a done deal. You can't even find availabilities in you know a, comp- a country like Brazil that's you know consistently on the emerging market you know hit list. Um, I, I think other industries have been more effective. Even other parts of our own industries have been more effective at coming together. You know the landlord side of the fence has. Places that they share data. The investor side of the fence has places that they share data. Um, on the purchasing side, the ISM does its own survey of manufacturing activity, and that that moves the Dow Jones Industrial Average when that report comes mm-hmm. out. You know yeah. what are we doing as an industry to, you know, if if just our portfolios alone, if we were open book on done deals that we do over the course of a year in every market, with you know that's. That's the kind of exchange that needs to occur. More transparency in the industry, more sharing. And you're right. It goes back to trust and making that happen.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
4: Great,
3: great thoughts, Bill. Rick, any, any thoughts on this I, one? I think, you know, when we talk about senior leaders championing change in the supply side service industry, I, I think um, I think just from my perspective, pushing them to think a little longer term and, and longer term and, and less transaction based. And then building out their their offerings to be more seamless, be more consistent, and and you know to me when they do that, they get more business. And so I, I do think that that the smart companies, smart providers, um, will hear that message, and that they're I, I know I because I I can see in several of the major providers that they're trying to do just that to become more seamless, common platform. Globally, not just regionally. And, and I think that a lot of that is because we need it. And
2: we, we need to drive and demand it. Okay. Any thoughts out here on this one? Agree? Disagree? Okay. Very good. Let's look at, uh, let's look at our last of the six statements. <coughs> Both statement number six. In support of a global... Mobile workforce senior leaders will lead the development of improved corporate solutions that elevate the brand, promote the culture, and assure employee engagement, particularly for client-facing space. And as you see here, a uh, strong uh, 79% adoption on this one, only 7% uh, disagree. Think how different this conversation is from a conversation we might have had 15, 20 years ago. Look at here, elevate the brand, corporate solutions, Promote the culture? Assure employee engagement? None of that was in our really uh, list of to-dos 20 years ago, but survey says it is now. And here's just one example, Mert Livingston, many of you know Mert, he's with J&J, great guy. And he said, yeah, we just did a project for the pharma R&D people where we did that and we used the testimonials from patients and put this messaging and branding up on the walls. And so yeah, this, there's a role for real estate in this, to elevate the brand, promote the culture, help employee engagement. So thoughts from, the, thoughts from the panel on this? I think it will vary based on your portfolio, your space. Do you have retail space? You know, is it industrial? You know, so you guys will talk about all that.
1: I agree with this statement. And I think it's all about uh, emotional intelligence to drive kind of creating a, creating a positive environment for your employees so that when they come to work, they feel engaged. They feel, about, they, they feel that they're in a space that they can contribute. Um, so I, I tend to agree with this statement.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think that just the, the mix of those things is going to be balanced by aligned with your industry and your customer segment and your, you know, how much employees. And, but I'm not sure it's that bold. Yeah, yeah That's <laughs> exactly.
2: kind of my reaction to it as well. <laughs> well <laughs> OK. It just, it's just sort of a no-brainer like almost like that we just need to, need to do this. It needs right. to be part, of what, we're, so, part yeah. of what we're pursuing. Do we agree, yes? Okay. We all agree. <laughs> we have. <laughs> <am at> a- <laughs> all right. Very good. <laughs> Unanimity. Okay. Any anyone else out here with a different opinion? Is this 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 is full of baloney? Anybody? Okay. I think we're all agreed. We had a branding uh, program last month. I think we're all, uh, okay. Good. Very much in line with this. So let's let's wrap up with a couple of slides here. I'm just sensitive to your time. You've been kind enough to come to this chapter event. I know you have got to get back to the office. Let's just look here. Um, here's a basically a. Sorted in a descending order of all these bold statements, and you can see several of them receive strong adoption. Again, at the bottom of the list, that one about getting to the Holy Grail, most people aren't really convinced about that one. Now, recommendations. Conclusions, recommendations, wrapping all this up. If you look at the report, download the Enterprise Leadership Report, there's just a whole bunch of bullet point recommendations that you can find on this topic. Here are just a few. Think broadly. Know the business of your company's business and speak its language. Be a partner with the business units and other infrastructure groups. These gentlemen talked about that. Find those linkages. Make sure those relationships are good. Recruit and develop tomorrow's CRE leaders. Isn't that what the Young Leaders Program is all about to support that? So where's that talent coming from? Bring in new people. And then again, number four, identify opportunities by thinking beyond the functional boundaries of real estate. It touches a lot more today than it once did. So those are just a few sort of things to think about. Okay, as we start trying to reorient the ship and steer it a little more closely toward this 2020 vision, here's some things to, um, to think about. Again, member benefit. All these are available on the Knowledge Center. If you, if you didn't get yours, you can go on the Knowledge Center and find all these here, download them, and they're available to you. Plus, again, there's a summary report that, that's now available, just freshly available. And so let's wrap up here, and I'll turn it back over perhaps to Tony or someone to say some concluding remarks. But thanks very much to Rick and Rich and Bill. Gentlemen, thank you for serving on the panel today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's all I was going to say, Tim. Let's have a round of applause for our speakers, and thank you again for coming up and gentlemen I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to go and spend time with us. Well thanks everybody.